Hello, and welcome to the AK-47 podcast. My name is Kristen Godsey, and I am recording a short episode to reflect briefly on the Russian invasion of Ukraine, which took place in the end of February of 2022. I've actually had to step back for a little while from the podcast. I've been overwhelmed with other responsibilities, as sometimes happens, and I have been watching with great trepidation the events unfold in Eastern Europe. First, I'd like to say that my heart goes out to everyone of all ethnicities and nationalities who has been affected by the invasion, by the war, the refugees, the civilians in Ukraine, the men who have been conscripted, the Russians who are standing up and against this aggression, to all of the people overseas who are having their personal relationships torn apart. I know many couples who are Ukrainians and Russians married with children. I know that this is a very difficult time for many people in the region. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of uncertainty. And coming as this conflict comes immediately after Omicron wave, I think many of us are at our wits end with global events, so to speak. My daughter texted me last week at some point and said, I wish I lived in uninteresting times. And I can completely understand how difficult it is for her, for people her age, for me, for people, my, for everyone really, to have to deal with the constant psychological onslaught of everything that's been going on in the world on top of climate change and the growing racism and sexism and injustice of our societies, increasing inequality, all of the signs of capitalism in decay, and now a war. And so for today, even though I don't have a lot of time, I thought it would be really important to read a piece from Alexandra Kolontai reflecting on the role of the international proletariat and war. This is a speech that she gave in German, actually, in Sweden. So she was speaking in German, but speaking to the Swedish League of Socialist Youth and the left wing of the Swedish Social Democratic Party in a big outdoor meeting. It was simultaneously translated into Swedish. And she was addressing them in the aftermath of something called the Morocco crisis, which was a circumstance where the French and the Germans almost went to war because a German gunboat ended up in a French port. Uh, war was averted, but obviously, given that this was 1912, it was not averted for very long. And very soon, we have the beginning, the outbreak of World War One. As I'm sure you know, Alexandra Kolontai was very much opposed to war. She was an absolute pacifist during this period of time. It is only late in the First World War, or sort of in the middle of the First World War, that she, she, she decides that war is necessary in order to support the proletarian revolution. So she throws in her lot with the Bolsheviks because Lenin takes this position that instead of fighting each other, the international proletariat should take the weapons that they've been given by the bourgeoisie and 
use those weapons against the capitalist rather than against the proletarian members of the enemy. So that was always her position. Rosa Luxemburg had a very similar position. Clara Zetkin also had this position. There were many socialists at this time who were absolutely opposed to war. And so you have to understand that this speech, although it comes before the First World War, was a warning to the workers of Europe that war could come. And I think that what we are seeing now with the situation in Ukraine and with the rush to increase the weapons sales to the Ukrainians by the Germans and other NATO nations who stand to profiteer from wars because obviously these weapons, these companies are capitalist enterprises that make money. They are merchants of death. They always have been, particularly given the difficulties of the last couple of years and the threat that the pandemic posed to the system as it existed with all of the supply chain disruptions and all of the closures and all of the people quitting their jobs, the so-called great resignation. It's not surprising that as the economic base of society starts to falter, that there is a rush to war. So I'm going to read this short piece to reflect on war and the international proletariat and Colin Tai's warnings to us from 1912, 110 years ago, on the eve of what we now call the Great War, the First World War. And let's hope that what is happening in Eastern Europe right now, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, utterly unprovoked invasion of Ukraine, is not in any way just round one of what will eventually turn into a much bigger and wider confrontation on a global scale. All right, so this is Alexander Kollontai from 1912. Today is our great day, a day when the solidarity of the international proletariat is being expressed throughout the world by mass demonstrations. And is this not a sign of growing solidarity that I, a foreigner from distant Russia, can stand here today and, speaking in German, which is neither my native tongue nor yours, pass on to you greetings from the Russian proletariat. The Russian proletariat, together with the proletariat of the whole world, protests against all wars. It is a well-known fact that the proletariat knows no national frontiers. It recognizes only two nations in the civilized world, the exploiters and the exploited. The capitalists always say, we must arm ourselves because we are threatened by war. And they point to their sacred symbols, militarism on land, militarism on the high seas, and militarism in the air. They summon the specter of war in order to put it between themselves and the red specter. They call for war in order to free themselves from the specter of social revolution. But the international answers them with one united call, down with war. The workers know that behind the threat of war, there stands the capitalist state that wants to burden the people with new taxes. And there stands the war industry that wants to increase its profits. 
We still remember the scandal that broke out a few years ago in France when the French capitalists deceived the German minister of war into placing with them a new order for military weapons. They had spread the rumor that the French Ministry of War had ordered new armaments, new cannons, new machine guns. And the German Minister of War, who did not wish to be outdone by the French, immediately placed a similar order with the French capitalists. Only later was it discovered that the rumors were pure bluff. In France, the capitalists say to the proletariat, come with us to the Sahara and occupy it. There in the desert, you will find that which you lack at home. And here in Sweden, the Swedish capitalists repeat the same old, time-worn menace. Don't forget the threat from Russia. We must arm ourselves. And even if Tsarism, if the Russian capitalists did indeed venture to attack Sweden, we nonetheless still exist. We, the proletariat. Did we not survive the crisis in Morocco? And who was it then who impeded the threatened outbreak of war? Yes, the international proletariat, which threw out the challenge to the German and French governments, the German and French capitalists. Not one step further. We stand here. And if the capitalists dare to wage war, then the red specter will turn into social revolution and you yourselves will then be responsible. Yes, social revolution. May Day is an international holiday that is celebrated in every country. May Day is the preparation for social revolution, a trial mobilization of the forces of the working class. And the workers of the world are united. They say, we are ready for battle. Social revolution is inevitable. Let the bourgeoisie, the capitalists, talk of socialism putting down roots in the existing system. Nothing of the kind can happen. How can one talk of putting down roots when every year in London 200,000 people die in slums and workhouses? Can there be any question of putting down roots when in Paris 500,000 people are permanently without work? It is also important to take into account the significant events that have taken place over recent years, the strikes and lockouts, and above all, the growing militancy of the proletariat. As little as 10 years ago, we could scarcely have imagined the events of recent years. It all began with the Russian Revolution of 1905. Unfortunately, reaction in Russia was too strong, and the revolution was suppressed. But then the Red Spectre moved to Sweden, and there was a general strike which, despite all the catastrophes involved, despite the poverty, signified moral victory for the Swedish proletariat. The whole international was then able for the first time to appreciate the true significance of such a mass strike. This was followed by strikes in France and England. Never before in history had there been a strike on such a scale as that in England, where one million people walked out from work en masse in order to defend the demands of their class. Thus, we can see how the strength of the proletariat is growing from year to year. And if the bourgeoisie talks of war then we answer with the thousands of voices of the organized workers. We do not want war. We demand peace. Down with war. Long live to social revolution. All right. So that was Alexander Kolontai from 1912. I think the sentiments expressed in this piece are very relevant, very pertinent 
to the circumstances as we experience them today. It's a very complicated situation. Obviously, the Ukrainians are desperately trying to defend themselves, but I do fear the possibility of a much wider conflict. And what does that mean for all of the social action, all of the work that has been done to try to create a more just, equitable, and sustainable world when, in fact, here we are on the brink of a much wider conflagration where the people who will benefit the most will always be the capitalist class, especially these war profiteers who stand to gain from selling these weapons. And let's not forget, and I think it's always important to remind the wider geopolitical historical context of so much of what is going on. There's absolutely no excuse for what the Russians have done. And yet people within the American military establishment, within the Department of Defense, within the State Department warned repeatedly throughout the 90s that the expansion of NATO eastward would antagonize the Russians, would make them feel encircled. William Perry wrote specifically about his advice to Clinton not to expand NATO, and yet it was done and it continued to be done. This is a fraught moment of history, and there's so much that we could learn by studying history. But unfortunately, when the drums of war start beating, nationalism and populism raise their ugly heads, and we often lose sight of all of the people, the ordinary people, the refugees, the women, children, sheltering in the metro stations, the brave people protesting against what is a senseless loss of life at the end of the day. And so I think Kolontai's words are relevant here, even though they're from over a century ago. And I don't know what else to say other than my heart goes out to everyone who is being affected by this in any way. I hope that there will be a swift resolution to this situation. And I understand the anxieties and fears and worries that so many people are struggling with right now. And I wish there was something, uh, some magic wand that could be waved to find a way to, to make the world less insane or feel less insane right now. As always, thank you so much for listening and keep up the good fight. 